This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. Well, hurling was centre stage last week, but football was front and centre over the weekend as the championship really got up and running with two Division 1 clashes. Galway got one over on their Connacht rivals Mayo and Castlebar yesterday, whereas Armagh really flattered to deceive in their defeat against Donegal, and Donegal will really be fancying their chances in Ulster now as they play Cavan next up in the semi-final. Welcome to the Toronto Podcast, Will Slattery here with Michael Verney. We'll be joined by Martin Bretney in just a minute to discuss all the football action, and in the second half of the show, John Milan will join us as well to go over all the hurling, including Limerick's game against Waterford. But first, Michael, you know, it was all hurling last week with a couple of big games, but it was good for football now to have a few kind of heavyweight clashes as well. Yeah, and a few uh, marquee kind of games over the weekend as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know we'll get into it a bit later. I suppose the the, the consequences of of teams losing those big games and the big layoffs is is not exactly ideal. But like Galway Mayo was a, a you know a brilliant advertisement for championship football. You'd have to say and had you know a little mini comebacks throughout the game and a, a kind of a comeback at the end of the game as well. But but Galway held firm and just to see the outpouring of emotion. Um, and I know it's been a very, very tough week in Galway with the, the passing away of, of Kate Moore and the Galway Camogie player there earlier on the week. And I know um, a grandmother of a couple of the players involved pa- passed away on Saturday night as well. So there was a lot of emotion and Galway managed to, to harness that emotion. And I know Parik Joyce said after, you know, it just they really wanted to concentrate on, you know, trying to li- lift the people of Galway um, with their performance. And they certainly did that. A, a massive performance, one they can be hugely proud of and one they'll be hoping to try and kick on from now over the next couple of weeks and months. Yeah, we're delighted to have Martin Brenny here with us to discuss that game and more. But Martin, we will start with that match in Castlebar. Like how important a victory was that for Galway, for Porrick Joyce, who's had a difficult couple of years, for the squad as well and for the management team? I was massive. I mean, Park has been there for two years and they were both very disrupted years, as they were for everybody else, it has to be said. But Galway lost the Connor final uh, to Mayo on, on, in 2021. And of course, with no second chance, he, he didn't, or his team didn't get a chance to, to have a go. As I say, it was the same for everybody. But it was more difficult for new managers and he just took over at the start of, of 2020. Knowing Park Joyce and, well, knowing everybody from Galway, it seems like from Galway myself, um, beating Mayo was always a, a massive, massive. Uh, uh, occasion for Galway, and particularly in, in, in over the over the last decade or so, with the, with, with the exception there were a few years Galway won, but they, were, they didn't they didn't build on it then. I mean, they had the awful All Ireland semi final in two thousand and eighteen. So although they beat Mayo, and was it in sixteen, seventeen, eighteen? There was no real progress made afterwards, and that was disappointing. I think the, 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 the and it's it's now a question of can they build on this? I and mean, they did it. They beat Mayo 
and and it didn't uh, Mayo come back and restart out in finals. But it was important. It was a problem the manner in which they did it as well in the second half, having opened up a big half time lead or a big early lead to be pe- pegged back. You would have thought, given Mayo's that, that Mayo would have would have pressed on. They didn't. Um, so it it was very it was it was it was huge for Galway, and I think it uh, it will stand to them because. The conference, the, the conference was shaken, badly shaken, I think, after the, the Connick final last year in Crow Park, where, quite frankly, they were bullied in the second half and allowed themselves to be bullied. And that, 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 was, that was odd, I have to say, because that, wasn't, that wouldn't have been the history of Galway against Mayo. But, uh, but that didn't happen yesterday. They really stood up. And you see, like, so Pauly Conroy. I mean, Pauly Conroy was a minor in 2007, and he's playing the best football of his, of his career now. Unbelievable stuff. So um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a great win for, for Galway. And uh, but the, the question will be is it the start of something or just another win over Mayo? Because that has happened in the past, beat Mayo and haven't built on it. They have to do it this time because that, that the, the, you know, the, even winning a Connacht isn't good enough for Galway anymore, or, nor should it be that they should be thinking much further ahead than that. Yeah, Michael, like what, what, for what from a Galway perspective, do they need to do, you know, to as Martin say, you know, capitalize on this as he mentioned, the three victories in 16, 17, and 18. Ultimately, you know, I think they lost to Kerry in one quarter final. They lost to Tipperary in another quarter final, and then they did make the semis in eighteen, but were, were you know pretty comprehensively beaten by Dublin. What what would you think they need to do to maybe take that next step? Just one quick thing on on uh, on Parik Joyce. Will I think he probably came in, uh, and maybe a lot of managers do with. Um, kind of fanciful notions of the type of football you want to play. And then you realise inter-county football is a bit of a different beast and you end up uh, you end up having to find this balance between attack and defence. And they were probably exposed a couple of times by Roscommon in the league final um, when they did have bodies back, but maybe they were passive bodies at different stages. Yesterday, everybody seemed to be getting a hand in. There was bodies everywhere. They didn't. They didn't allow. Um, they didn't allow Mayo those goal chances. Maybe that they did allow even to Ross Common in that league final. Everybody was playing an active role. Everybody was getting back, putting pressure on. So I definitely think they found a nice little blend, uh, maybe between attack and defence yesterday. As regards what they didn't need to do to kick on, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, remember when Cork, when Cork beat Kerry in 2020 in that winter uh, that winter championship? Kind of Cork were expected to go on and, and win Munster. Um, Keenan O'Neill was actually involved with that Cork team as well. He's involved with Galway as well. Like this result against Mayo will be quickly forgotten unless they can go on and win a Connacht title. Now they have, I think, they've Sligo the next day, um, which would be a nice, you know, just to get feet back on the ground, get another game. I'm sure I'd be very, very confident of them winning that game. And then they have a score to settle with Roscommon. Um, I think a big part of it with Galway, as I said, there is finding that happy balance. They have like some outstanding forwards. And Mark mentioned even Paul Conroy's role yesterday. He was outstanding with three points. Shane Walsh, you know, a brilliant footballer, but was able to deliver, you know, in a tough environment yesterday. Damien Comer looks like... The typical image of Damien Comer is get the ball, head down. Whereas yesterday, it was nearly his peripheral vision that nearly won the game for them a couple of times. It was that lovely little reverse pass for, for Johnny Heaney's goal. So I do think they've, they've um, developed more as a team, but it's all about kicking on now. It's all about capitalising on that bit of momentum that they have. And I'm sure there was a lot of emotion around yesterday's victory um, and a lot of relief, I'd say, from Parik Joyce's end. But they just need to get feet back on the ground now, and like that result to be quickly forgotten unless they get their hands 
on the on the Nestor Cup in you know in a couple of weeks' time. So I'm sure they'll be able to get their feet on the ground and they'll really, really try and kick on from here. Michael, you've just incentivized Leitrim to great heights there by ignoring them. I think actually the draw, I think Sligo player is common in the semi-final and Galway play Leitrim. I think that's the way it is, but you wouldn't want to forget Leitrim on this. Uh, no, so no, no. Give them a good incentive there. Andy Moan will be uh, uh will 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 have uh, incentivizes for for uh, for the Galway Leitrim game. But yeah, but you're right. I mean, in all probability, it will be Galway Roscommon final, and Roscommon have a very good, have a quite a good record against Galway in that. So you're dead right. They've got to build on this, or else yesterday counts for nothing. And they've got to, they, and not just win Connacht, but okay, maybe not win All Ireland, but they've got to do better. They haven't been All Ireland since twenty since uh, won All Ireland semi final since they won the All Ireland in twenty uh, in two thousand and one. They've only reached the All Ireland semi final once, where they put up. A very poor effort against Dublin. So they've, they've got to get into the last four and have a right go and, and, and see where, where that takes them. And Martin, from a Mayo perspective, you know, they are in a familiar place. We mentioned 16, 17 and 18, you know, two of those years, they battled back through the back door and got to an All-Ireland final. And, you know, it's funny just looking at how it develops this year. It's six weeks until the qualifiers start. Like Mayo have a number of injuries that could be, you know, ample time for those guys to get fit again. Even someone like Kitty and O'Connor, who was only just back another six weeks of, you know, getting more used to to playing again. And you only have to win two qualifiers to get back into the quarterfinals, you know, unless there's a preliminary round and they could be drawn into it. But, you know, at the moment, it, it would just be two. So it's a very different landscape this year. And it might maybe suit Mayo potentially. It might. And and they're, they're, they've been so good at doing it. But don't start me, Will, on, 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 the, on, the, on the season. I mean, it's six weeks they have to wait now for qualifiers we're playing games huge games in the middle of in the middle of april and then six week gaps and then squeezing and closing and contracting everything in, into into uh, completed by july listen that's that's the way it is but it's absolute madness however in mayo's case it could well help it will help them there they'll go and it'll almost be like the start of a new season for them to some degree and they've done that very well before Toronto were always expert at doing that over the years as well they won all ireland's their um, 05, 08 Islands came via the back door and some teams are very good at that and Mayo certainly are so you're dead right I mean there, there's every chance they'll be back into the All-Ireland into the All-Ireland quarterfinals again and after that that's that's their time of year they haven't won the All-Ireland admittedly but my God they have been very good at, 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 at that time of year so it's far from over for them and I think with all the injuries they have um, the, 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 they, they certainly will get a good chance to get fellas back, get fellas back on track but still having to wait six weeks yeah, there's no better team to regroup. And as Martin says, they do have ample time. They'd surely have Paddy Durkin back, Rob Henley back, Jordan Flynn back. Uh, I thought it was a bit um I thought it was a bit harsh, maybe to highlight, you know, Killian O'Connor's free taking, even on the Sunday game last night. His free taking since he got in with Mayo, Barron, you know, maybe that one that, that drifted wide against Dublin in the All Ireland final, his free taking has been nearly impeccable. Um and I know there were tight margins uh, yesterday. But just to pick out one game in isolation, maybe, and not point back to, to you know, all his near flawless performances in the years before that, I thought was a bit harsh. But they'll... Michael, but Michael, the, the, Michael, it, the, yesterday's game was well counted, and Rhino Donner was had been very good sort of, you know. So it's it's a moot point who should be on the freeze. I mean, the guy who was who was kicking them, or the guy who's returned with with uh, with the great record from the past. I mean, it was all about yesterday, and and I, you know, Rhino Donner has been very good all year. He has, yeah. I, I, as regards experience and nailing freeze when they had to be nailed for the, the, the guts of the last decade, I'd be having Killian O'Connor most days of the week there. But I just, yeah, listen, there's plenty for Mayo to work on here. Um, probably one thing that was probably mentioned, and it was mentioned as a positive throughout the league, was the amount of players that they tried. And that can be a good thing, but 
there was definitely an element of not exactly knowing what their best 15 was, not maybe going into the game yesterday and even throughout the game and bringing in different guys. And there just, it was a bit of an imbalance maybe, maybe in their team as well. And even just Aiden Arm's shot at the end was a very low percentage shot to take on and perhaps they maybe should have worked it into a better position, but they nearly got themselves into a position for, you know, another amazing comeback. But on the, bal- on the balance of play, um, you'd have to say Galway were uh, a score or two of the better team yesterday, without a doubt. Yeah, and if it had gone to extra time, it would have been interesting because Mayo were really coming on hard at the, at the end. As you say, I think they kicked five points in, in a row. Martin, just, just on the schedule you mentioned there, obviously six weeks, uh, I think for Mayo, is it to the qualifiers? And then the provincial champions, it's a four-week gap until the quarterfinals. That's it, kind of a funny scheduling kind of issue considering how condensed everything is that there's still going to be long periods within that where you know some key teams or some bit major teams will be waiting you know a long long time probably longer than they would have in the old system almost yeah absolutely i mean this the this new scheduling is in my view utter madness and it's it's chaos in the start i mean the idea of starting the championship so early and kind of finishing it in july and we still have six week gaps between the teams playing i i I don't know what it's about, and I think I don't know. Is it because is it because you know decisions were made in, in the course of the, the pandemic era, and everybody was sort of uh, in um, saying there's more important things in life, and let's agree to anything that's put, put before us. But it just doesn't make sense. And I, I would put a bet with anybody that this schedule will not last, and that we'll be we will be back playing all Ireland finals much later than the middle of, of July, uh, maybe not next year because they'll. They'll have to give it another year. But I bet you that we'll be back to playing all Ireland finals later. It's throwing away valuable time. Nicky English made a point, for instance, in comments the other evening on the Limerick Waterford game. I think it was what he said that um, it was a spring pitch, slightly different to a summer pitch. Now, the grounds are very dry at the moment. There's no doubt about it. But they're not, they're not the summer. They're not summer dry and not summer, summer slick, so to speak. And yet, we're playing all these big games now. I, I, I just don't understand it. And I, I cannot. I, I, and it would be fine if it... It would be fine... If it was a very streamlined, perhaps fine. If it was a very streamlined program, that but now we have a situation where teams are lying or sitting around for six weeks. Um, it's not good, and I, I think it, it it will be reviewed. I've no doubt in a, in a year or two's time because it, it's a, there's a complete lack of logic to it, in my view. Well, I have to say, I'm a big, I am a big fan of, of the split season and giving club players, uh, giving club players a lot more time and a, de- a definite season for them to work within. Um, but I do agree with Martin. I do think it will be tweaked, even if it's ever so slightly. I'm looking at the hurling championship, even, and I'm thinking there's so much going on within, like so much going on so quickly. And then even you're looking at the teams that are going to be gone out of the hurling championship, and then all of a sudden you're going to have two teams coming in from the Joe McDonough Cup into preliminary quarterfinals. I I don't know if that's I don't know if that still makes sense. I know you still need an incentive maybe for the McDonough Cup, but you're going to have maybe potentially we'll say Tip and Cork and maybe uh, Wexford, Westmead and Leash gone out of Leinster, and then you're going to have two more teams coming into the championship, and they're not going to be really competitive fixtures at a competitive time. I'd be looking at probably pushing things back a week or at least two weeks and just letting the, the round robin championships breed a small bit more and let a small bit of exposure go to a, a few more games. I don't um I don't agree with that we're giving away our summer to soccer rugby. I, I don't agree with that personally because there's so many club games going on all around the country. I just think maybe from 
but for right, the first the first week in August onwards would be fine. I just think we do need to let the round robin campaigns breed a small bit more. But people that are on the ground in clubs all around the country, and I'm a club player myself, the fact that we know that we have August and September at least they're going to be fantastic months to play a club hurling or football within. I think that's brilliant for what is ninety eight percent of the players that play GA in this country. Well, Michael, most most counties have that anyway because they're out of the championship. What do Mayo do now, for instance? They have six weeks, and I say Armagh. Anybody not out of they have six weeks to wait for the next round. Do those players go back to their clubs, or do they just stay with the county team, just training for six? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't see them being even let back with their clubs, Martin. To be honest with you, that that's probably the case, and that that is a, a real anomaly within a system that if you're playing a condensed championship and a team can lose and be out for six weeks, like that is basically the old break between league and championship. That's the old. It's like you're starting your preseason again for the championship season coming. So imbalances like that will definitely have to be ironed out. A lot of the time, we only see the problems when it actually happens in front of us. When we see it on paper, we don't see the problems that, that lay ahead. Even the Munster round robin, you're saying two weeks on, a week off, two weeks on. Oh, that's fine. But it, in, on paper, that might look fine. In theory, it's, it's, it's not re- it, does, it doesn't really work. And even we want to, you know, the second tier hurling championship, the McDonough Cup, that just gets totally papered over at the moment with the amount of McCarthy Cup games that are going over. So I do think we probably need to balance things out and spread things out a bit more um, if we want but, to get the best but, out of it. But for the, profile, for, for the profile of the game, you said there about uh, you have no, you know, it's not, you don't see it as a big issue handing it over to, to, to other sports. It's not. I don't, I don't see it as handing over, Martin. I don't see yeah, that as handing no, over. No, but, but Michael, Michael, the club scene is fantastic. It's fantastic for the players and for the local. But you take the, the high profile games, the star game, the games that sell, the, the, that market the, 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 the that market the, the, the hurling and football and that draw young players in and the whole lot. It's, it's the inter-county game. We cannot just say, treat it as, as, as if it's some sort of uh, an encumbrance on the whole scene. It's not. It's the, it's the front of house thing. Everything else, it, it, it can't get a total priority, of course, but there can be an integrated system that worked out better than just closing down the, the, closing down the inter-county scene in, in July. And you watch, Michael, and you will probably, you will see when county finals are played this year. Like, or any other year there will still be quite a lot of lads head off to America for the summer you know you, you, as, as a club player for so many years as well, you, you know how it works yourself and we'll see when county finals are, are being played they'll still be played some of them will be played quite late again I just think there, there was a better way I just think it was taken as uh, COVID or forced split season and just oh my god that's a great idea let's go with it I don't think it was thought through analysed really in detail and I think the, 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 it, 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 it's it's coming home to roost to some degree now. As I say, we have six-week gaps in players. And as you said, they won't go. Will Mayo go back to club? They won't, presumably. So what? Train for six weeks for a county for maybe one more county game? The last thing I'll say on it is, um, like the 27,000 people that were in the Gaelic grounds the other night, uh, the 40,000 that were in Parky Cueve for Cork and Limerick, uh, I, the timing of these games doesn't... I, I, I don't think it has diminished their profile in, in any means. And I think... The publicity around it, people are still talking about it. People are still going. Like if you if you fix the games, people will come. Um. So I don't. I but don't. Sense, no, you, but but probably I was squeezing them all in, squeezing, 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 and I, 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 a tad too much. I will agree with you on that. A, a tad too much. I do think there's a happy a fair balance. bit too much. Yeah. I would suggest. Uh, a, well, a tad too much. I would say, but I definitely think it's the sort of thing we've probably gone from one extreme to the other. And what's usually the case is 
finding a happy balance in the middle. And as Martin says there, I will. Ima- I do imagine that that will be found. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens this August when there's no GA, there won't be any rugby, there's no like Olympics this year, there'll be very little live sport for people to, uh, the Premier League won't have started back either, so I, people can take their holidays there with their families and be content, they won't be missing much sport. But well, Martin, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll on that, there will, there will be GA, there'll be loads of club GA going on, and RTE did it during the pandemic, and TG Carter did it brilliantly as well. It's just a matter of promoting those games a bit more, showing those games, when those games are on TV, like loads of people have watched them. Loads of have people you seen have the viewing them. figures? Have they ever produced viewing figures for them? Have RT ever produced viewing figures? We really, I, I haven't seen them. There's a, there's a project for Brainy Beat next no, Tuesday. Not. The point the point is club fix. The club is hugely important, but it's 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 literally of local interest though, and it's, it's grand watching a game from Wexford or from Galway or anywhere else. But if if you're if you're from that county or indeed from the club. But it's the high profile, it's the high profile events that, that, that are the real the real marketing that, that, that sell the sell the organization and sell the sports and sell the players that we want to see the top players as often and as long as we can, and we're not getting that. Just lastly on that, Will, if it's a matter of finding extra weeks for a championship and prolonging it out a bit more, then they need to look at, particularly with the hurling league, they need to look at taking a couple of weeks off the league. And if it's a matter of starting the championship a bit earlier and even progressing it a bit earlier, and it's you know, the inter-county season is February to, to the middle of August. But then so be it. And you still have, you still have extended it a small bit. You've allowed it time to breed. The club players still know exactly when they're featuring as well. Now, I know we, we didn't, uh, I leave it at that because we didn't expect to get in a club versus county or anything like that today. But that's the way it goes. When you have Brainy on, you know there's going to be a row. <laughs> I was going to say, I've lost Ken in the time someone said last thing, and then we've gone in for it again. But uh, we'll go back to the, to the football weekend, Martin. Donegal Armagh was the other big game, the, another Division One clash. And I think if, if people had watched Armagh play Dublin in the first round of the league and how they played and how they went about their business and watched yesterday, they would have been very disappointed with, with, with what was served up. You know, I, was, I don't know how surprised you'd be with Armagh because Kieran McGee's also championship record is very, very poor. But still, considering the league they had and some of the victories they achieved, very disappointing way for them to exit their Ulster Championship. Well, I mean, Dick Clarkin has a very interesting column in the end of today where it's a, a big man when it doesn't count. I'm actually sure no stomach for the fight in Valley Buffet. And you'd have to say that you can't argue with that. I mean, they, they, they just let, us, let, they let it pass them by. Um, and it's, it's very disappointing for, for Armagh. And after all the, the thought, or the, you know, they were seeing perhaps as potential Ulster winners or perhaps Ulster finalists. It didn't. It didn't go for them. They they, they they didn't perform at all. Very very disappointing. And um, for Donegal, I suppose Donegal haven't performed for the last number of years, and and it was very important for them. But um, certainly, to, um, uh, what you might call the first real big disappointment of, of the of the championship, and they were they were they they have a lot they have a lot to work on. Just they just weren't good enough and didn't stand up when they needed to stand up. And uh, it's a long way. It's. It's a long way back farther. I'm not saying that one defeat doesn't doesn't destroy your season or anything like that. But there were so many negatives for them to take out of it that there'll be a lot of a lot of work to do to turn those into positives before the qualifiers. Looks like as well, just with this appeals process, a lot of the time it seems to take more energy out of the the appealing team or the appealing players. And thinking back to the time Dermot Connolly got off, was it for an All Ireland semi final at, at the eleventh hour? It seems to take an awful lot of energy. Out of them, uh, in all column, or Declan Bonner said it was um, a bit of an absolute farce of a system. They obviously didn't appeal Neil McGee's and uh, Ora McFadden's uh, suspensions. 
and they probably created a bit of a siege mentality i'd say as, as a result of that um, and yet again it's proved just how hard to beat the, how hard they are to beat up in up in bally buffet martin said there and he, he's right to say donegal have probably stuttered and underperformed and not maybe lived up to the expe- expectations for them uh, in recent years, but that was a big performance from them and a bit and a, and a bit of a statement. And Ulster kind of opens up nicely for them now. Now they're coming up against the 2020 champions next cabin, but they would be expected to get over that. And um, who knows? Maybe that maybe they'll finally deliver on that potential that we think they have. But very yeah, very disappointing from an RMA point of view. Had a great goal chance just after half time. Really. Um, kind of a bewildering decision. I don't know, did, did the referee make the easy choice there? Definitely didn't it didn't look like the ball was fouled. But it went from, you know, being a metre from the, the goal line and potentially and it did end up over line to being a free out and then Armagh didn't score for about 15 minutes thereafter and the game was essentially over. But definitely you'd have to say Donegal full value for it and um, they're, in a good, they're in, a good, in a good spot now to make a good run at Ulster again. Yeah, Martin and Michael Murphy put in a really good performance as well. Like still going, I think it was mentioned yesterday, t- young player of the year in 2009, 13 years later, still leading them on. And I know there's always been a debate about where the best place to play him is, but he was very influential yesterday. He was. I mean, he he's a phenomenal really of a player, has been phenomenal since ever since he came aboard in, in 2009. And I always remember many years ago, um, people talked about uh, Peter Canavan there were bits of him left lying around the fields of Ulster for many years before Tyrone made the breakthrough he was, he was, he was, he was a marked man and he was coming for a lot of uh, shall we say special treatment but Murphy has, Murphy has been in that category for, for so long now I mean everybody sets out to nullify him and he takes the hits the belts gets on with it he really is an, a, a, a fantastic fantastic player great attitude because as I say he's, he's targeted left right and centre always has been but he's well able for the big man and uh, but they do need him sale, and that's the point. Perhaps others need to be stepping up a little bit more now because he can't keep he can't keep uh, dominating to the degree that that he's been over the years. But my God, what a what a, what a contribution he's made to Donegal and indeed to football. Yeah, and as Michael mentioned, they play Cavan next in the semi final, a revenge mission after their surprise defeat to to them in 2020. And Michael, just to finish up on the football, we'll look at the Leinster Championship. Uh, awfully very disappointing defeat to Wexford. Ben Brosnan rolling back the years with 1-5 and, and they'll play Dublin now next weekend in uh, Wexford Park on, on a Saturday evening. Um, but, you know, given Offaly started the year in Division 2 and now they're going to be finishing in the Tolchin Cup after an early defeat in the Championship, it's been a very disappointing 2022. Yeah, Offaly were a point away from staying up in Division 2 and then you look at Wexford, they were, you know, third from bottom in Division 4. Um, they would have definitely, when they saw Niall McNamee was out and even his cousin Rory was missing uh, for this game yesterday, they would have really, really fancied their chances. And in fairness to, to Ben Brosnan, he's been around since 2008. He's 34. I know he was plagued with hamstring injuries last year. He ended up missing the Dublin game as a result of that. He loved getting another another crack another crack at them. But that was a massive result for, for Wexford yesterday. Awfully, we were, I think, four or five up uh, in the early stages of the second half. And Wexford just turned the screw completely. And it was Brosnan's goal in around the, the 53rd or 54th minute, really, that um, helped them kick on. And they were full value, you'd have to say, full value for the win. And considering Brian Malone stepped away and Dahi Waters stepped away, you probably would have thought they would have been under pressure. But a uh, good sign for the youth that's coming through there. And, uh, you know, they were they were far from blown away against Dublin last year uh, in Leinster. So they, they'll not that they'll fancy their chances, but they'll they'll hope to be competitive again. One thing I will say about the, the Offaly-Wexford uh, game, the Wicklow-Leash game as well, and even 
the loud, to a lesser extent, the, the loud Carlo game. Like, I think if the Talchin Cup gets, you know, the promotion and publicity it deserves, look at, like, Wexford, Wexford went into that game yesterday, albeit they were massive underdogs, thinking that they had a great chance, pulled off a big win. Wicklow, the same thing, against the odds. You throw the, the, the 16 teams down on paper, 16 or more teams in the Talchin Cup, and you're just thinking, they all think they have a really realistic chance of winning silverware. They all really think they have a realistic chance of beating the team that they're coming up against on a, on a given week. And, um, you know, it's a hugely exciting championship if it's given the respect it deserves from all quarters. That's headquarters, and that's all the inter-county teams and inter-county players involved. You just hope that... There's not too many fellas, you know, slipping off to America and that, and that it's given the respect it deserves because teams coming up against teams of similar standards, they all feel they have a realistic chance of winning uh, championship games and winning silverware. And really, that that's, you know, that's what it's all about. It's now time to turn our attention towards Hurling on the Throne podcast, and we're delighted to welcome John Milan to the show with us. John, we'll start with that Limerick Waterford game on Saturday night on the Gaelic grounds. You know, certainly a more competitive championship encounter than they've had in the last couple of years. You know, how are you feeling about Waterford's all Ireland chances today versus before the ball was thrown in on Saturday? Yeah, well, look, I suppose I think myself, both myself and Jeremy, particularly after the Cork game, we, we had an awful lot of egg on our face, you know. But uh, yeah, look, Limerick over the course of the last few weeks have been extremely impressive. Uh, you know, you take into account the weekend where they were missing Kyle A's. You know, Keane Lynch had had to go off injured. Uh, but look, as I touched on last last Saturday, will I don't think Saturday night was the night to be to be uh, to be beating Limerick. I, I thought I, I I thought we'd we'd struggle to get a result up there. You know, because we we have a fairly bad record up in up in uh, up in the Gaelic grounds. It's a difficult venue to go to. The pitch dimensions as well, I don't think possibly suit Waterford, Waterford either, you know, going off of even, you know, our, our own pitch dimensions down, down in Welsh Park. You know, and I, I think, you know, from a Waterford point of view, I, I think, you know, we, we cut the margin deficit from 11 down to 3 now. Granted, you know, Limerick were, were well ahead, you know, they were six or seven points ahead. And, you know, all the talk out there was that the two goals took, took the gloss of uh, Ling- uh, Limerick's margin of victory. But look, I think Waterford have, have, have goals in their locker. And I, I'd, I'd be encouraged by, what, by, by how Waterford finished the game in, in regards, you know, there were six or seven points down. The easiest thing from a Waterford point of view would have, been to, would have been to throw in the towel. On top of that, I don't think we can underestimate, you know, going to the Gaelic grounds in such a hostilic uh, atmosphere, you know, vast majority of the support up there were 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 Limerick, and and for me, will I think that's 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 worth three or four points to the to the home side before you even take take to the field, and and it can have it can have an effect on on refereeing decisions as well. So, yeah, look, it for me, I think Waterford, I think we didn't play probably. Up to up to the standards of what we what we've seen the last last couple of weeks and and look from my point of view I was quite pleased of of you know they went and they took on you know Limerick physically and 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 look possibly it's it's a result that you know in in the in the grand scheme of things might be no harm because you know even fellas like myself 
an awful lot of people down here, but we're probably getting a bit getting a bit excited. But it kind of dials down the rhetoric now going forward. It dampens the hype. And yeah, I, I, I think for Waterford, I, I don't think you know, Saturday night was going to be the, the, the be all or end all in, 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 in beating Limerick. You know, they came up short, they lost by three points. Granted, Limerick were down an awful lot of personnel, but you know, on, on the flip side of that, Waterford didn't start Jamie Barron, and I think they took the right decision in not starting Jamie Barron. I said it a couple of weeks ago, getting Jamie Barron right for the Cork and Clare game was was, was crucial. And we can't underestimate either that, you know, Irla Daly going off. You know, he was doing very well on, on, on Galan, and, you know, you kind of had to reshuffle your pack then. So, yeah, ultimately, from a Waterford point of view, it was always going to come down to these two games against, against Cork and, and, and Clare. And, Ultimately now, I think Cork, that's our All-Ireland now in two weeks' time. We beat Cork, we're in pole position to get into the top three. And finishing in the top three, you know, finishing third might be, might be bad, uh, you know, might be a bad place to, to finish in, 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 in this, this Munster campaign. You know, you might avoid playing Limerick again in, in a Munster final. So, yeah, look, for me, I think what we've seen from Limerick is if Limerick get all their players back onto the pitch, they're going to be extremely difficult to beat. You know, let, let's call a speed a speed. But look, I think Waterford, if they can finish in the top three, get back into Crow Park, yeah, I still believe that that they are good enough to go and challenge and, and, and possibly win the All-Ireland. Now, look, everything is going to, everything is going to have to go their way. Uh, and look, a lot will depend on, on how, how, how uh, Limerick's injuries clear up, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Martin, what's your kind of assessment of where things are at now after Saturday night's result? There was obviously so much focus on whether Waterford can, you know, put down a statement of intent and maybe get one over on Limerick with an eye and later on in the summer. Now that that didn't come to pass, you know, how are you viewing things? It, it didn't. And it's all about getting into the top three. But I was disagree with John a little bit. And I thought of what he wrote on Saturday that he was implying really that it didn't matter perhaps as, uh, that this wasn't the time to beat Limerick. There's always a, now the next game is the time to beat anybody, as far as I'm concerned. And if that if Waterford were to beat them or were to beat them last Saturday, get them again in the Munster final, do it again, doing the All Ireland. I mean that was Kilkenny's way, modus operandi all their way. They'll try to do you on the Walsh Cup. They kill you for a point in the, in a, on a snowy day in Parnell Park. And I think it, it I, I think it was it was a chance to put down put down the famous marker. They, they had a good shot at it and it didn't quite come up. So it's not by any means. Uh, catastrophic anything like that but John is, is talking there now about you know perhaps finishing third I, I think they still need to come back have another go at Limerick I mean the, keep keep at them the more you, the, the more often you play them the better chance you have of beating them it's as simple as that if you're not playing them you can't beat them so I think they they they, they, they should be and they will be trying to have a, to have a right go and get back into the Munster final and uh, assume of course that Limerick are there you just never know but um, yeah I suppose it's still about the top three or getting into that top three uh, everybody now, it's it's about the All-Ireland. The provincial titles don't really matter a whole lot. That's a fact. So it's about the All-Ireland. Uh, it didn't, it didn't, let's put it this way, it didn't do Waterford any damage, I think, which was the main thing. They weren't, they weren't wiped off the pitch or anything like that. So th- they're fine with that. I think they'll, they'll be okay. It's just a bit disappointing, perhaps, that they didn't, um, um, after after such a good start, that they didn't build on that. But uh, they're fine, and, and the season will roll on for them. And uh, I think, but I would think certainly they still want to, um, Perhaps have another go at Limerick in the later on the monster champion, monster campaign. Not so much to win the title, but to have another go after them and have a shot. But man, we got to be realistic here. You're like, you know, are you going to beat Limerick twice in 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 the one 
But you're going to beat them once, John. I mean, if you're going to beat them once, you're going to beat them twice. I mean, idea. I, I don't agree with you. I think that, yes, you can. I mean, of course it's possible. They, they can't do it now because they could still beat them twice, by the way. <laughs> there might have two more goals at them. I, I thought they had a go at it. I mean, I'm not being critical of Waterford, but I, I would have thought, I, I just I would disagree with you on that, but I thought it was that it did matter a, a favour that, had, that they, if, they had, if they had beaten Limerick, I think they would be in a much better position this morning. They would have put doubts in Limerick. And I know you talked about the hype in Waterford, and there is, and there's no doubt about that, but there's nothing wrong with that either, as you well know, if it's, if it's, if it's controlled, and I'm sure it would be. Yeah, Michael, like what's your, you know, we have kind of two competing views there. Like, what, what's, how are you viewing things today? Yeah, it's an interesting one, Will. Like, the last two times they'd, they'd met, there was an 11-point deficit. Uh, I didn't get to see the game live on Saturday night, and you're looking at it and you're saying 221 to 30. They're after closing the gap to three. Three is probably not realistic. I'd say seven or eight is probably a bit more realistic. Um, I think Waterford will have learned an awful lot. Even you know the idea of moving moving Connor Prunty out to pick up Garod Hegarty. I think it's good to see from Liam Cattle's point of view that he's willing to try different things. I know John wrote in his column on Saturday that Jamie Barron could play in the forwards potentially against Waterford. That might happen maybe maybe later on in the year. Uh, I think they would have learned an awful lot. I think from a Limerick point of view. To me, this is one of their best wins in maybe three or four years with all the adversity that was thrown at them. Starting a big game without without Kyle Hayes, Seamus Flanagan, Peter Casey, all all-stars. Your two-time hurler of the year goes off the pitch. Um, you're thinking the deck is maybe stacked against them. But when push came to shove, you know, from probably the 40th to the 60th minute, they just totally ground down Watford. You'd have to say... They, they created, I think, 29 scoring chances in the second half. Waterford created 38 overall. Waterford really struggled for scores, aside maybe from those two goals. I'm not saying that the goals camouflaged it or made it look like they were closer to them than they actually were. But as regards, you know, chances created in the second half, Limerick were miles clear. And they were just so on their game. And I think, you know... Uh, internally, they would have been very disappointed with with some of their performances in the Gaelic grounds in the league. And I think they had a bit of a point to prove the other day. And they definitely proved it on, on home soil. It was a, a masterful, masterful performance. I do agree with what Martin says as well. The more cracks you get off Limerick, I don't think there was any psychological damage uh, done to Watford the other day. It had psychological damage from the previous two times they met, maybe. But the gap is closing um, it's probably not closing maybe as quick as Waterford people would like. But it's funny, we're talking about, you know, potentially Waterford meeting them uh, maybe another two times. As John says there, they do have a bit of, they have important business to take care of. They need to get a result, a couple of results. They need to make sure they get out of Munster first and foremost. But I don't think it, it will have had any psychological damage to them. Um, and I think they'll take it in their stride. And I do fancy them to get out of Munster. And I, I fancy them to get to a Munster final again. Um, from, and from their point of view, at least close the gap a little bit further to Limerick again. But I, I do think we learned a lot the other night. We learned that Waterford are getting closer, but we also learned that like, Limerick are, are not going away. And no matter what you throw at them, they seem to be able to find an answer. And they did that, that spectacularly the other night, you'd have to say. Uh, and as impressive as Limerick have been, they'll be really looking at those injuries to Keane Lynch and Kyle Hayes, soft tissue, hamstring injuries that in a round robin can, you know, really put guys out for a couple of weeks in some key games. But so they've done a lot of the hard work with two wins already. And, and John Munster, I suppose at the start, we were kind of looking at maybe a, a Limerick-Waterford final as maybe the likely outcome. But with Clare's performance yesterday against Tipperary, I think there's certainly a new wrinkle. A lot of people, maybe Clare were almost a forgotten team in many ways. And 
like how impressed were you with how they went about their business in Thurles yesterday? I co- I couldn't get over even even the match odds before before the match and how 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 they were so big rank outsiders to 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 go and beat Tipperary. I mean, you gotta you gotta go back twelve months ago. Uh, they came to Thurles and you know Waterford were on everybody's lips after the league and they came and and and. With a, with a great put in a great performance against uh, Waterford and turned turned Waterford over, and it wasn't so long ago that I think it was what well, nearly last year or two years ago people were saying that you know Claire Horan was in was in disarray and you know what direction were they going and you got to give great credit to, to Brian Lone and you know their under twenties were were extremely unlucky in both their fixtures possibly should have won both fixtures their minors had a great great result last week last week against my own county Waterford. St. Flannan's winning the Hardy Cup. And then, you know, yesterday they just turned up and they gave, you know, a complete performance. They were, they were, they were brilliant. You know, John Conlon at centre back, Rory Hayes at a corner back. There's a corner back there that can go and take on Annie Talley's man now, where you can pinpoint him. You know, they have a solid half back line, Jeremy Ryan, Conlon, and McInerney seems to be coming coming back back to himself. And then up top, I mean, you know, they weren't over reliant on Kelly. I mean, before Kelly, he'd be saying, "Look, he's 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 a one-man show." But you know, it's it's encouraging from from Claire that you know Tony Kelly, by by his standards, I say by his standards now, probably I wouldn't say had an off day, but probably had a had a, had a relatively quiet day. Now he still he still came up with some big scores. But you look at the the two the two guys that came back, you know, o, O'Donnell and Peter Duggan. I mean, they're two all stars, and you know they were they were they were laid off for so long, and to see the performances that 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 they put in yesterday, the shift that they put in, and you think at India that young Shane Meehan didn't play yesterday, Rogers, and if they can get Aidan McCarthy back, we've seen you know what type of a player he is, you know, last year too. If they can get him back, you know, yeah, Clare are going in the right direction, and. Yeah, I think I think they could have a, they could have a say and look. They have Limerick in the Gaelic grounds, and, and I think the fixtures, you know, are kind of going their way as well. Like you know, they, they play Cork next week. You know, if Limerick are qualified by the time they go to go to the Gaelic grounds or go to go go to Ennis, will they rest a couple of players with, with all the injuries that they have? So you'd be thinking that you know that that's a that's a winnable game. You know, Waterford then travel travel to Ennis. And look, from, from 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 my own point of view, Waterford, we can't even be thinking about trilogies or, or playing playing Limerick in, in in a monster final rematch. Our focus now is 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 both Cork and Clare, and that's the way Cork and Clare are going to look at it too. Because Cork, albeit if they were to lose to Clare, they still have it. They still have a chance because you know Cork Cork have to go to Welsh Park. And if, if Cork were to turn Warford over in Welsh Park, they've Tipperary in the last game in Tipperary. Could be could be gone out of the championship, so Tipperary might end up trying out trying out a few players. So yeah, it's all for all to play for, and and I, I think Clare yeah they're right in the mix. And you're, you're talking about Waterford, Waterford, uh, Waterford Limerick once a final. I don't think Clare now will, you know, will uh, I don't think Clare will, will, will write write that script. I think they'll be right in the mix, and they'll see this is a great opportunity of getting to a monster final and kicking on and. You know, as we, we touched on the personnel there, they, they've every they've every opportunity again to a monster final and, and possibly getting to an All Ireland semi final. 
Martin, it sets that Clare Court game up really nicely for next weekend. And of course, that'll be on in Terrellis. It's meant it would have been originally on in Porky Key, but due to Ed Sheeran, uh, that's been moved to Terrellis. So a significant, I know Cork like playing in Terrellis, but at the same time, you know, they've lost home advantage and they're going against a team in form. They themselves obviously having been beaten pretty comprehensively by Limerick. So that, that's a very interesting game as well. It is. And, um, you know, a home advantage, if it counts for anything, then uh, it, uh, they, they're, they're losing out on this. And there are other reasons, of course, we know, we know for that. Um, they have to, they really have to perform better than, uh, than they did against Limerick. I mean, I thought they were, they were absolutely terrible. I thought, I, I just couldn't get over some of the stuff that I saw that, that against, against Cork. They, like Cork were always, what you might call an instinctive team and who played, you know, in, in many ways, they, just, they had that touch and their touch was always very good and they played with it. But this business of, as they did for that, was with the second goal when they, they get possession out in the left out back position and they bring it into the centre and they go to two back passes and they lose the ball, it's turned over, gone to um, Galan goal. And you say, what the hell is going on? You know, you don't score at that end of the field. I know that might sound old fashioned. For, Cork did not give themselves a chance, a real chance against Limerick as, as they should have with, with the style that they played. And they allowed Kyle Hayes to walk through virtually from the sideline. They've got, they've got to just go back to, they've got to be a bit more instinctive in what they do. And if, if they don't do that, uh, Clare certainly will, 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 will beat them. There's no doubt about that. But I think perhaps there will be a, a kickback in them. And um, there has to be, because after that Limerick performance, it was just, it was just, it was terrible on and off the pitch, I felt. Mm. Uh, Michael, what about Tipperary? Obviously, the, even though they didn't beat Waterford in the first round, people were very impressed with how they performed. I think you know, in the first half, I think all their forwards had scored from play, whereas I think they only got three points from play from their forwards against Clare, and Clare were 13 points clear at the break in Thurless. It was it was you know, a pretty surprising turn of events, considering how they went in the first week. Yeah, very strange. You know, Eddie Brennan, in his column today, was talking about how your home venue should be a fortress, and... Like it was anything but uh, yesterday. It was just mad. It was mad looking at some things that happened in that game. Uh, Shane O'Donnell played a lovely pass through to John Connell. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, it's like the Red Sea in front of him, just space, acres of space, and uh, a tree on two. And even Brian Hogan made two, you know, decent saves for the two goal chances. And there was hardly a temporary defender in sight and Ian Galvin was able to take a touch steady himself put the ball to the net Peter Duggan was able to bat the ball to the net unopposed just really really strange uh, I know Eddie said it was kind of a he was wondering about whether there was a bit of an identity crisis in Tipperary you'd, you'd have to say just harping back to something Martin said there there definitely didn't seem to be much instinct with them I'll put it to you that way there seemed to be a bit confused about what they're supposed to be doing uh, but there should be no confusion about, you know, where your half-back line is and the cover that they should be providing to their full-back line. So I thought that was very, very strange. Um, for You know, there's probably probably two sides of it, probably, a, you know, a really good team performance from Clare um, where everybody fronted up and then you have, you know, a, a temporary performance. You'd probably, you'd probably call it a non-performance, really. Um, apart from Ger Brown's goal in the second half, maybe you thought might light a bit of a fuse into them, but they just never really, re never really got going. And it it's a difficult position for Colin Bonner to be in. Obviously, Paddy Mara was f forced to retire. Brendan Maher retired. Uh, John Bubbles O'Dwyer is is you know not fit with injury at the moment. Seamus Callan's not fit. I suppose if, if you take that type of personnel out of any squad, you're probably going to struggle. But he's in a really, really difficult spot at the moment and they're playing Limerick next time out. So it's not going to get any easier for them at all. Far from it. And as the lad said there, you know, 
it looks like Tipperary's Munster Championship will be will be done and dusted after that Limerick game and they'll have what will be a dead rubber potentially for them against Cork in the last round of, of the Munster round robin and um, yeah it looks like their their bags are going to be packed pretty early in this campaign and there was a good bit of optimism after the Waterford game maybe maybe some of it was false optimism and Waterford just underperformed that day and it was a bit of a league final hangover but um, yeah doesn't look like things are going to get any easier from tip for tip at all at this stage. Yeah, it shows you just how vital it is to take your opportunities in a round robin format when they come because you might get another one. And John, I know I suppose Munster has been, you know, kind of the talking point the first two weeks, but there was a big game in Leinster on Saturday night, Dublin getting a very good win away to Wexford. And I know you're someone who has been kind of on the Dublin train the last couple of years, you know, expecting them to maybe kick on. Well, that was a massive result in the right direction if they want to make a Leinster final. Speaking of missed opportunities. The opportunities that Wexford missed, I think they had they had 18 wides. I mean, at crucial stages of the games, and I think it's a missed opportunity for Wexford. They possibly should have should have won the game. I think Dublin they they always kept uh, Wexford at arm's length. They always had that four or five four or five point cushion, and any time Wexford would come back, they'd go up the field and they get they get they push on and get another crucial score to keep to keep Wexford at arm's length but yeah Dar Egan when he re- reflects on this game he'll be ruined the misses you think of Conor McDonald's uh, goal opportunity before half time you think of the, 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 the penalty opportunity missed they had another opportunity uh, Rory O'Connor uh, missed, missed some vital freeze and yeah they had they had the opportunities but great credit to Dublin you know you think of a player like Donald Burke 12 points Four from play, eight from play balls. He got 13, 13 points uh, the last day out against against Leash. And uh, yeah, it was bodies on the line. You know, they were diced off near the end. And it's a great, great result for, for Dublin, you know, coming off the back of, you know, probably that underperformance against Leash. And it sets them up lovely now going forward. Uh, I think they've they've killed Kenny in two weeks' time against against uh, uh, up in Parnell Park. And then they go to, to Galway. Um to go to Galway then in the last the last game, which will probably be a fixture that will probably be you know will decide which which one will get to to a Leinster final. But Jay, I think if if you told Maddie Kenny before the game, Maddie Kenny before the game that look we they win by one point and they get another two points on the board, he would have taken the the hand off you. Well, just on that, the missed opportunities like it's just it's kind of some of Wexford's old problems coming home to roost again. The free taking has been an issue for a few years now, and it was an issue again uh, on on Saturday evening. They missed five points from freeze between Lee Chin and Rory O'Connor, and for the second successive game, you know they didn't get a goal from a penalty, and it was a brilliant save by Sean Brennan, but they didn't hit the back and net from a penalty, which is you just have to take that chance when it arises. And even you'd feel sorry for Conor McDonald, who was brilliant the week before. And Rory O'Connor put the ball through an even needle for them that chance, and he just it was maybe maybe just snapped at it a bit and just put it put it across the goals. But I know Dar Egan is still is still confident that they can get six points from their last three games of Leash Westmead, and then Kilkenny that last day. If they do get six points, they'll obviously they'll definitely get out of Leinster. But it's just the, the you know the permutations are really really fascinating. You think Dublin are in a really really good position to qualify. Uh, at the moment, I think I think you know Galway, albeit a very good result against Westmead at the weekend, 
you know, a lot will depend on how they get on at the weekend against Kilkenny, which is obviously, and it's sure to be teed up plenty throughout the week. The master against the pupil with Henry coming up against Brian Cody, that's going to be fascinating. But even though Dublin looked like they have, you know, one foot in that top three at the moment, I think it's far from certain. And I think it's going to be fascinating over the next couple of weeks. And that last weekend in Leinster, we probably, uh, we probably looked at it from far away, like Galway, Galway host Dublin, Kilkenny and Wexford and then Leash and Westmead. There's so much on the line there for be it the top three spots, the top two spots, and then the bottom two spots and who's going to be relegated from Leinster. So there's going to be a, there's a lot to be played for in Leinster over the next couple of weeks, particularly that last weekend. Yeah, Martin, how are you kind of assessing Leinster at the moment? You know, obviously Limerick are runaway favourites kind of in Munster and Leinster does seem to be more, you know, open, especially like this game this Sunday as Michael alluded to, you know, Henry Shefflin going up against Brian Cody, Galway versus Kenny. It's set up to be a very exciting and dramatic game. You know, when you run your eye over Leinster, what are your thoughts? Well, we've had we've had six games so far, but we've really only had two games in terms of deciding who will be the the, the top three. With respect, and there were uh, Dublin and Wexford and Galway and Wexford. And Wexford have played two of the the, the big boys, which is important. It's easy to forget that where Kenny have yet to play any of them. So, oddly enough, Leash and Westmead, uh, in all probability, the only win they will get will be in the, the head-to-head contest. One of them will win that one. But they could still and will have a big say, I think, in, in who and the, and the, uh, the three teams that come out. Because uh, everybody else, or the, t- the top four, will beat those two. I think there's no doubt about that. And then it will come down to how much they beat them by. Because as happened in 2019, when Galway lost out on scoring difference that time, it could come down to the very same thing again. And I think... It was interesting, Galway, that year, they, they, they beat Carlo by six points and they came back to haunt them because everybody else beat Carlo by a lot more. Galway certainly went over last, last Saturday to put as much as they could between themselves and Westmead and build up their scoring difference. I think there will be scoring difference issues at the end of this because it, it's going to be that tight. Wexford, at the moment, uh, one point from two games, but they've played, they've played Galway, they've played Dublin, one to come. Kilkenny haven't played any of the, of the, uh, the top three yet, so... It's, it is wide open. Wexford are by no means out of it. But as I say, it could come down in, in all probability to, to, in, into scoring difference. We'll decide probably the last place anyway uh, in terms of how, how much the, 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 the teams beat Leash and Westmead by. Yeah, well, it's only two rounds in, but already the permutations are fascinating for the next couple of weeks. Martin, John, Michael, thanks so much for joining me. That's all we have time for the Throne Podcast today. We'll be back later in the week with Philly McMahon's Friday Throne Podcast as he discusses all the latest football talking points. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.